The scripture reading tonight is from Luke 10, 1 through 16. After this, the Lord, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and, and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out into, like lambs into the, into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you on that day it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the deeds of power done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But at the judgment, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will be brought down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The word of the Lord. Can I tell you something? I'm an evangelical. It's true. I'm an evangelical. I'm practically an evangelist. I mean, I've always been an evangelical. I, I am excitable and excited. Uh, my people are evangelicals. Uh, I, I just, I come from a long line. My dad is a freaking Baptist preacher, you know? It's in my bones. It's in my blood, well, I don't know if it's in my blood, like, in my DNA. Maybe more like in my blood, the way, like, there's lead in my blood from growing up when they had leaded gasoline and sort of absorbed it from the environment. It's that kind of a thing. It's in me. And, I mean, I, when I was a much younger evangelical, I was, I'm, I mean, I preached on the street. I preached on the street in L.A. I preached on the street uh, outside the uh, Garden Mission in Chicago. I preached uh, in the street corners in London. I preached in uh, Scotland and all over. I loved it. See, one thing about being an evangelical is that, like, you have the truth, you know? And I'll, I don't mind telling you that it feels pretty good to have the truth, you know? And to know it, and to know what you got is the truth. And to know it hard and to know it strong. And when you got that truth, you have a duty. You're compelled, you're called to proclaim that truth to other people because it's the truth that sets men free. I don't know what the women do. Um, 
But it is the truth that sets men free. And when you have that, you've got to proclaim it. And it's not, it's not a burden, this call. No, it's a privilege. You can't help it. It swells up in your chest. The truth that you have, that you own, that you know, that you want to share with everyone. Because it's freedom and it's beauty. And if they don't accept it, they'll burn in hell. So, you know, that's exciting. It's an exciting thing to do. That's like, um, so um, when I was a young evangelical, this text today, I loved this text. The sending out of the 70. I even had to memorize part of it as um, in my Bible memory packet verse thing that I got from the Teen Missions Organization. Um, yeah, that's part here where it says, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, ask the Lord to send out laborers into his harvest. I was one of the few. I was one of the few laborers who went out into the harvest. It seemed like I always went to the wrong fields, though, because it didn't seem like there were that many people that were that interested in uh, being harvested. But I, that didn't stop me. I had the truth, you know? And, but I was jealous of these 70 here because I was just out there just, I don't know. I mean, I'll admit it, even though my chest swole up with the truth, I was always a little embarrassed, you know. The truth only takes you so far when you're adolescent, out in public, trying to get people to believe in Jesus. Um, but these guys here, this seemed like great. Like, Jesus gave them particular instructions, and these instructions are like, I don't know, they're like, sort of like, magic incantations from like some mystic guy, you know? So he says, no, this part is, first of all, this, I always love this, and I envision myself doing this. He says, now, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to know the truth because the people don't like the truth. The people are going to devour you. It's dangerous. And also, to these instructions, you know, carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. That seems like something out of, like, Star Wars or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, that's the very reason this text is the very reason to this day I still do not carry a purse. You know? I, was, I mean, I, I love this when I was a kid here. Greet no one on the road, and whatever house you enter, first say to them... Peace upon you. It's like code or something. But there, what is it? It's like this thing. You say, peace to this house. And if anyone there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. And remain in that same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. But do not move from house to house. I never really got that part. But don't, okay? Do not move from house to house. No, um, not at all. And eat whatever is set before you. Cure the sick that are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near. Do you know what it's like to go around with those words? That you can dispense those words? That Jesus told you that you can tell other people after they've passed all the tests and the peace thing going back and forth, you can tell them. The kingdom of God has come near to you. Almost like you have part of the kingdom of God, and you're bringing it near to them. You know? It's great. The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, 
go out into the streets and say, even the dust of this town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. I have to admit, I actually did that before. Yeah, it was in Manchester, England, and I was uh, teen missioning in the street out there. Um, and I don't know why people wouldn't have... Exp- I mean, it's so obvious the truth we are proclaiming. I mean, this um, puppet show that we did in the town square, I mean, it's just like, how, how could you refute the truths of that puppet show? <laughs> but yet, somehow, um, they threw bottles at us. So we really did. We walked out and we wiped the dust of the feet, our feet of the town off our feet. Because the Bible says to, Right? So even the dust of your town, the, your town that clings to our feet, wipe it off in protest against them. And you know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. See, the, the greatest thing about being an evangelical is that you know the truth. You have the truth. You hold it. And you can proclaim it. Now, the second greatest thing about being an evangelical is when people don't accept it, you get to condemn them. You get to condemn them, and Jesus does it here. All the hell, fiery, like Sodom and Gomorrah, they're going to burn up. I never got to do that part. I figured things have changed, times have changed, I don't know. We never even tried that, okay? I mean, we were crazy. We'd wipe the dust off our feet, but we weren't going to set Manchester on fire. Although sometimes you just do want to burn stuff, but that's a different story. I loved this text and was jealous that I couldn't be one of those 70, that I didn't have that specific instructions from Jesus to go out on that road and do those things. I mean, I did my best. I literally, when I was 14 years old, knelt down on the corner of Lexington and Summit with a classmate of mine and prayed with him to accept Jesus into his heart as his savior. He told me at our class reunion sometimes later that he was afraid of me (laughs) and felt that he had no choice. And he kept opening his eyes while we were praying, hoping that he would see somebody and they would know that he was in trouble and needed help. (laughs) I feel like wiping his dust off my feet right now. But you know, over the years, my evangelical tendencies have, um, you could say, softened. Yes. My evangelical tendencies have softened. And what I think why, I guess it's because my grip on my certainty of the truth has, like, loosened. And it hasn't loosened like um, I'm losing the truth. It hasn't loosened like the truth is slipping out of my hand. It's just that as I've gotten older, the truth just seems like it gets bigger and bigger, and I can no longer hold it in my hand, whether tight or not. It's too big for me to hold in my hand. And, you know, maybe my ability to hold the truth began to seem like less important to me. And I became like more interested in a truth that could hold me, that could bear me, that could bear my faith, whatever it might look like at the time, that could bear my questions, 
That seemed like a more important kind of truth and a bigger truth. And you know what's funny? Like now when I read this text here, that's sometimes known as the mission of the 70 or the unrepentant cities, when I read this text now, I think to myself, like how in the world did I ever think that I was one of the people going out and bringing the truth to these cities when it is so clear that I'm one of the people in the cities that reject them, that don't receive them. I'm not the duster. I'm the dusty. I'm not shaking the dust off my sandals of anyone. I'm sitting in the dust. I'm a dust eater is what I am. See, because over the years, as that truth got too big for me to hold, I learned to read the Bible differently. To read it not from a place of triumph, but a place of brokenness. Because that's where I always find the reconciliation, the reconciler, where I find Jesus is always in the brokenness. And so when I read it that way, it's clear that I'm not out there carrying the kingdom of God in my swelled up breast. I'm sitting in the dust, missing the point. You know, another thing as I began to see this bigger truth that held me and was able to read the Bible not from a point of triumph, but maybe from this point of brokenness, I was also to read a little bit more broadly. Like, I just memorized that one verse out of this whole story. But then, like, there's a whole book here. And I just can't help noticing that the story right before this one is this. Jesus is going towards Jerusalem. He's going to this Samaritan village. And he sends some people ahead to prepare the way. In the same way, he sent these 70s to places he was going to go to. So he sends them there, and the Samaritans reject him. They don't want Jesus coming there, and they reject his disciples, the messengers. And so the disciples come back and say, Do you want us to call down fire and destroy their village? And Jesus turns and rebukes them. And they go a different way. It seems different than the story that comes right after this. It seems like two different opposite sort of things that like are sitting right next to each other in the Bible. You know, it's interesting this story here that comes before it. It's like Jesus has his face set towards Jerusalem. He's heading towards Jerusalem like he's Focusing, He's heading there. He knows that he's heading towards his death. And like a good American, I don't know if Jesus was American, but he was Western European anyway. As a good um, American, he had set his face towards Jerusalem. He was going to do his job. He was going to face what he had to do. And he wasn't going to look left or right, but go forward. Um, Actually, the direction of his face is so important in this text that um, at the end when um, this little pericope, this story People are saying, I'm going to follow you, but first I need to go uh, bury my father. I need to say goodbye to my family. And Jesus says, no, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back 
is worthy of the kingdom. This kingdom that the disciples are supposed to go tell people is coming near if they accept him. So set your face forward. Go, follow Jesus, and if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you will not be fit for the kingdom of heaven. The funny thing is, right in the middle of the story, Jesus has his, when Jesus has his face set straight ahead, and the people in that village right ahead of him say, we don't want you to come here. So he's like, all right, we'll go around. And the, people, the disciples say, well, we'll call down fire. We'll blow the place up, and we can keep going straight ahead. And Jesus turns his head and rebukes them. Jesus has his hand on the plow and looks back making himself unfit for the kingdom of God. What is that about? I'm dusted. I'm sitting in the dust. I don't get it. I don't love God with all that I am. I hurt myself and I hurt other people people I don't even know, people I love, through the things I do and don't do, say and think. I am in the middle of an unrepentant city, sitting in the dirt. But I believe that that is where Jesus is. And if fire starts raining down, I don't know, I guess it's going to get both of us.